When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Here in the single barrel again, a uh, flex-scheduled weekend show, 1130 to 1.30. Uh, we are here. I am staring at the buffet table, and it's waving back at me. Uh, muffins, some scones. Elijah, I know you're a fresh fruit guy. Uh, plenty of bacon and eggs and sausage. Oh, my. And a lot of Bloody Marys flowing down here at the single barrel. So the Purdue buses are behind us. They are getting uh, loaded up here shortly. I don't know if you saw this on social media or not, but uh, some Purdue fans have a, a kind of a, uh, a makeshift pickup that looks like a choo-choo train. Uh, so that's been roaming around here. The, um, the hay market, uh, Brian and his family in from northern Iowa, big Hale Varsity listeners. Uh, and uh, you know what? We uh, just love being on the road here and excited to, uh, to be with you. Pre-game here for the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Following us and following Nebraska-Purdue, Real Red Reaction here from the single barrel inside the graduate. Elijah, you saw Joe Rogan last night. How was it? Uh, is it going to set the tone here for uh, a great weekend? It was, a, it was a pretty good show, yeah. Um, I personally... Uh, like wasn't like a huge fan of Joe Rogan stand up going into this, and uh, went down, saw it, had a good time, thought he was pretty funny, and um, now ready. It's 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 like I got the comedy last night. Now, so now you want football? Yeah, I'm hoping there's no comedy in the game today. I got enough of that last night. Like we, we don't need comedy of errors, comedy of anything. Like uh, we should need a strong Husker performance today, which I think could uh, could be could be the case. Excuse me. We'll dive into that. So Mark Cranach, uh, the super father he is, man, he's taking his little ones to the ball game today. So Cranach uh, in route. Uh, we will hear from him in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, get his take on Nebraska and Purdue. Uh, coming up at noon, our rewind with um, our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles, did an incredible breakdown for us. And, of course, you see his videos each week. Uh, get his take on Nebraska-Purdue. And uh, in hour two, we'll uh, hear from Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity and the Iron Horse on site with us, Gary Sharp, around 1 o'clock before we say goodbye and head off to the stadium for Nebraska-Purdue. It is moving day today in the Big Ten. Uh, Elijah, you have Wisconsin up 7 nothing on Iowa. They are meeting the Iowa quarterback. It seems like every pass drop back. Uh, right now, Michigan's having their way running the football and in total yards against Sparty. Uh, Michigan up 7 to nothing. The Stuhl Presidente, uh, I think, had to sleep in a car or a sleeping bag, but uh, he is uh, wearing his maize and blue 
in all pride. Uh, Nebraska on our mind here. And, Elijah, when we look at, at moving day here, you got kind of an elimination Saturday for the West, quite honestly, with Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Minnesota's playing the best ball out of anybody. I'd say Iowa is uh, trying to refine their rhythm. And then Wisconsin's gaining momentum. That's really the story today for Nebraska is getting back to momentum. I think we are a good luck charm. Last time we were here for, a, for an 11.30 pregame or an earlier pregame, uh, here at the single barrel with Hale Varsity Weekend, it was the, the, the Northwestern ball game. So that turned out well. Uh, it turned out extremely well for uh, Nebraska football. Can they have a, a similar performance? But today's all about staying alive in the postseason for Nebraska. Uh, you need to win three out of four, uh, two and two. We'll see where the fan base is at when it comes to uh, frustration level. Elijah, it really just kind of comes down to uh, this fan base, this team, and Nebraska fans. I don't think they demand perfection. They're understanding. They know how rough and tumble football is. But what they do demand is some consistency, and it's all about how you look, right? If you get beat by a better team, uh, case in point, Michigan, right? season uh beginning with purdue today do you play well and and can you play well enough to win and from a nebraska standpoint that's that's what i'm looking forward to today off of a bye week energy wise can you bring some juice uh can you put the hammer down can you score offensively and can you look pretty crisp or crisper doing it in a ball game that's uh, supposed to be about a seven and a half point spread yeah and you got a full week to go self-scout look at yourself in the mirror uh, get your team right uh, Nebraska should be coming out here and you'd expect them coming off a of bye week to have one of their better performances of the season if the coaching staff did what they had to do during the bye week if the team did what they had to do to get themselves right during the bye week you'd expect this Husker team to come out uh, and play like a fresh team play like a football team that had an extra week to, play, uh, to prepare for Purdue so you'd expect a good performance from this Husker football team uh, but the thing is, is you don't always know what to expect of this Husker football team when it comes down to execution uh, and things like that. So the co- or common sense would tell you that, yes, the Huskers will have a good game today. Uh, Scott Frost and the coaching staff had an extra week to prepare. However, uh, we have seen this coaching staff uh, not get the team prepared to play like they should, uh, case in point, Illinois first week of the season whenever you have a full fall camp to get ready for it. So uh, still a little bit up in the air, but uh, I-, I think the Huskers really should uh, come out playing like uh, I say this tongue-in-cheek uh, a trip to the Big Ten title games on the line here because uh, if you go down three losses in the Big Ten West you're really out of that race <laughs> what would Coach McBride say every day's the conference title game every Saturday is mm. a national championship game you gotta have that mentality can join us if you're on your way down here to the single barrel or you're finding a spot with a red beer or a a bloody uh, can dial us up at 466-3776-4663776-800-825-5865. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. That's what Saturday's about, isn't it? Managing your expectations. And I saw this tweet from uh, Dr. Big Red Donkey MD. I, I get a kick out of some of uh, that Twitter's uh, that that handles tweets 
And when it comes to predictions, they've kind of been all over the board. You've seen close win, tight win, blowout win, tough loss, more more places than not predicting a Nebraska victory. I said 31-27. But this is probably the most accurate prediction. And I don't know that you can say uh, uh, Big Red uh, Donkey MD uh, speaks for all of Husker Nation. But he says, my prediction for the game tomorrow, I'll be elbow deep in a bottle of Tito's by halftime <laughs> and be pantless and yelling at trains by the end of the game. <laughs> That's the safest Saturday Purdue prediction there is. You're a handle deep in Tito's. <laughs> Trying to get through this as a Nebraska fan. Uh, pretty good. You know, we talk about progress and what this team is and how do they look, how do they perform, do they get a win. Uh, that's like pretty obvious what's been missing this season is everything but the wins. You've seen improvement. They're better, a lot better in, in coverage when it comes to kickoff and punt, except for one time. <laughs> uh, they've been better on the ground, as you've seen Ramir Johnson kind of up his game. Uh, you've seen flashes from the receiving core, and you've seen a defense that, that put a lot on their shoulders uh, throughout uh, this season, specifically the first half and the, the the middle part as conference play got going. But when we talk about progress and, and proof that this thing's going the right direction, because that conversation's still out there, you know, with Scott, with year four, and it's it kind of rears its ugly head again every time there's disappointment, there's a loss, you know. And, and Scott seems really comfortable, his staff, and uh, the kids are, are playing hard, right? But you need some of that progress and that proof to come in the form of wins. And you're going to have an opportunity. You have an opportunity, these final four games, to, to really make it, it easy for Trev Alberts and not have to have a decision or a hard conversation or a harder conversation with guys you brought with you from Central Florida. Uh, clean up the mistakes. Uh get guys developed and ready to perform in crunch time moments. Guys need to go perform in crunch time moments and have that proof. My dear God, we have a Gary Michaels Clothiers sighting. Uh, Navat is here, and he's shaking my hand. Big Red of the Rockies zip up going on. What's going on? Give me a little Howard Cosell here. How are you? Put a headset on, Navat. Look at this. We have royalty. Hold on a minute here, Navat. Let me let me do this. Yeah. Are, you, are you giving me a prediction? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you a big prediction. Do you have him at all, at all or not, Elijah? Oh yeah, I have him. Oh yeah. You do? All right, go ahead. Okay. Hold on, we got to we got to put your your mic on here. Buddy. Here we go. There we go. We got, all right. We, got, we had to dress dress you up a little yeah. bit. What's up, man? Gosh, we came down to see you. Cindy and I just walked in. I said, what a great pleasure. Well, are you going to fire up the buffet here, Navon? No, I didn't do the buffet. I'd, I'd be too pluggered if I did that. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> you know, by golly. I just thought I'd come down and have a little omelet and uh, fire it up with uh, a nice Bloody Mary. How about that? You got to do it. You got to do it. Gary yep. uh, Novotny. And we, we had the, the best tailgate experience, man, with oh. you on campus uh, in front of Michigan. It was wonderful. All we needed was a touchdown or yeah. a field goal, brother. Yeah, I know. We were close. Yeah. We're close a lot. It's crazy. Well, we're talking proof and performance. 
get it handled yeah. today. Yeah. Get yourself a whiskey and a beer. Yeah, I think I'm going to get you, have you do that. You know, I'm just having coffee this morning, yeah. cowboy. Now, before I, before <laughs> I leave, I'll give you one of these. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name Howard Cosell here live on ABC <laughs> Monday Night Football. You're looking at Joe Willie Namath two years ago. There I love it. All, All right, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you and your fam. Thanks, Bye-bye. buddy. You bet. All right. So a, a celebrity signing here. Uh, <laughs> Navat showing up. That's pretty good. Good enough. Good enough. Uh, we will hear from Mark Cranach here in uh, just a moment. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Again, single barrel where we are at uh, flex schedule 1130 to 1. This uh, coming up at 1. Uh, are we set to rock here? Is Cranack with us? We welcome in uh, Mr. Mark Cranack with us. Cranack, uh, you're on assignment. You're getting the family uh, all geared up for another roadie down to the stadium. How are you, man? Not too shabby, man. How are you? We're good. I'm staring at a, a buffet table, and it's it's taunting me. Get some. I mean, why why are you holding out? Is it steak? I. I it might be. I haven't lifted the. Uh, I haven't lifted the, uh, the, the the top of the buffet uh, pans there, but they look pretty good. How you feeling? What have you told little Tanner about today's game? Have you told him that it's going to be okay, or have you said, you know what, it'll it'll be Halloween themed here with a trick or a treat? Well, he says as long as we're there, we're going to win. So okay, that's, that's where he's at with it. He mentioned a score of uh, what was it? 62 to 4. I don't know where he came up with the 4, but that's just that's kind of where things are at. That's a cover. I mean, it's Which absolutely that. Yes. So, as you've kind of navigated this week, Cranack, you've had a bye week. Uh, we said certain things needed to happen uh, with the Minnesota game. They did not. It was better in the second half, but that all red zone's uh, been tricky. It's been tricky for Purdue. That's what this comes down to to me, bud, is is who's getting sevens and who's getting threes today. And do you think this is a defensive struggle, or are you feeling like, you know what, this thing's going to be a little bit more high scoring here as you've kind of scouted this matchup? You know, it, it, it strikes me as a game that will be played in the – probably end up in the 30s, 20s. Um, you know, give or take a touchdown from from either team because I think you have enough big playability on both sides that you could potentially break one. You know, Nebraska's shown that they've been able to scheme big plays more so than necessarily just have an athlete go out and make that play as opposed to Purdue with David Bell who clearly can make his own luck and score touchdowns with some regularity and sometimes outside of the quote-unquote system. He, he can make people miss. So, it, and I think defensively, it's it's a pretty interesting matchup because I, I just wonder how Nebraska is going to hold up against Karloftis in particular. He's a very active defensive end. He's super athletic. He's more like a tight end type, you know, um, body-wise. And it, he's very explosive. Nebraska has obviously struggled at the tackle position to hold off pass rushers. And so I think because of that, I think he's going to get loose a little bit. I think that's going to force Nebraska to do some – force Adrian to have some more broken plays, force them to roll the pocket a little bit more. Um, so I, I just see Adrian factoring in much more prominently than he did, say, against Minnesota when he was obviously hobbled. But pretty, pretty even matchup, and 
tell you what, man, if, if it doesn't work out in Nebraska's favor, like, it's going to get pretty dark around here. <laughs> Mark Cranek joining us via phone for this Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Skurs. And, and, and Mark, with uh, with the secondary a little bit hobbled this week, you know Miles Farmer is going to be stepping in for Deontay Williams. Yeah. Are, are you worried about what Purdue can do in the passing game, uh, maybe uh, testing what Miles Farmer can do on that back end, knowing that uh, it's the first game he started this year and he also missed most of last year with injury? I don't think there's any question they're going to go after him. Um, and I think that's probably one of the more unheralded things that Nebraska's done well so far this year is the play of Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams. They've, they've filled on the run extremely well. They haven't always made the tackle. <laughs> but just in terms of recognition, knowing exactly what's going on, being there ahead of time, diagnosing plays, preventing for the most part, big plays over top of them, they've been excellent. Um, they have missed a few tackles, of course. Everybody does. But, you know, so that's the element that's going to be missing with Deontay Williams. I mean, he's like, you know, he's like in his mid-20s. <laughs> he's a father. It's like his sixth year in football. He, you know, son of an NFL guy. He's a heady, heady player that has a lot of experience. And so now you're bringing in Farmer, who doesn't have that level of experience. But he does bring some size. He does bring some differences that Deontay doesn't have. I expect Purdue to try to test him. Um, and so far, I guess you, you couldn't say that there's anything about Miles Farmer that gives you grave concern that he's not going to be up for the task. Uh, so I, I think Nebraska probably feels pretty good about having him back there. Mark Cranach with us, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at the single barrel inside the graduate. Don't forget Real Red Reaction gets rolling. Uh, immediately following Nebraska-Purdue. Elijah Herbel back at our ESPN studios as uh, 11.30 to 1.30. We're here ahead of Nebraska and Purdue. A lot of big red here at the uh, single-barrel buffet. Got to love it. Purdue is in Cranach, to, to your point uh, about the vicinity of the single-barrel and the graduate from Memorial Stadium, uh, unlike uh, Northwestern, I should say like Northwestern, uh, Purdue is going to take the bus these two blocks to the stadium. They are not going to walk like you suggested the Wildcats do, so uh, they aren't going to get their steps in uh, on the way to the stadium. Go ahead. I just said very disappointing. (laughs) Craddock, I I look at Farmer and and what he is, and I'm still, when I think of Miles Farmer, I think of, of his size, his athleticism, and then I think of his patience because the guy got a start really early in his career, and he performed well. He set up two of Nebraska's minimal scores on the road at Northwestern last year. Two interceptions, really good yeah. uh, in the fill, and did a great job of playing corner, or I should say safety, and helping in coverage against Northwestern last year. It wasn't enough, 20-13, to 13, Nebraska lost a one-score game. Stop me if you've heard that before. But I don't – and, and he, he saw – uh, I, I think extensive snaps against Oklahoma as well. So this isn't going to be a, a kind of a, a shock factor wow uh, moment for him. It's something he's been continuing to grind for. And uh, I think from an athleticism standpoint, I mean, Deontay's so fast and been such a ball hawk with four picks. But I think, you know, Farmer, you're going to get a good preview of, of the next wave with, uh, with Farmer and Pola Gates. So I'm not as concerned with it, but they've got to they got to keep their eyes right. Uh, Nebraska has been hit uh, multiple times this year off play action, and the safeties have, have gotten caught looking in the backfield. 
Yeah, it's and but you're totally right. It's not like he's uh he's totally wet behind the ears. I mean he's he's played in some games. He's he's contributed. He's um you know he's he's had some impact plays. I mean he's the, he's the one that almost single handedly kept Nebraska in the Northwestern game last year. So yeah, I'm not overly concerned with him. I I think today in the secondary it's it's a really big day for Cam Taylor Britt. I mean this yes. is the biggest name receiver that he's going to go against. Um, David Bell's almost a lock for first, maybe second, maybe he dips into second round, but he's a he's a big time NFL prospect at wide receiver. And generally speaking, Cam Taylor Britt has done pretty well against that caliber of talent. So we'll we'll see what he has in store. But I but I expect a big game from him, especially considering like the last few weeks. It's, it seems like Taylor Britt settled down, and he's not trying to do maybe too much, letting the game come to him, so to speak, not pressing. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be up for the challenge. Um, you know, and I, I like the fact too that it's kind of a kind of a no. Uh, there's not a, there's not a ton of external factors in this one. It's going to be a nice day. There's not a lot of wind. It's kind of straight up football with two evenly matched teams. Um, and I, you know, I I I think Nebraska can, especially with the three quarterback system too. I I don't know. <laughs> I think they're a bad matchup for Iowa. I don't think they're necessarily a bad matchup for Nebraska. Um, so I, I wouldn't be terribly concerned with what you saw two weeks ago from Purdue against Iowa. Um, and try to act like that's going to show itself today against Nebraska. Mark Cranach is with us. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend Edition here at the Single Barrel, 11.30 to 1.30. Elijah Herbel also uh, in the studio as uh, we are on the road here for pregame. So I want to get uh, a thought here uh, on Nebraska and, and red zone specifically, once they get beyond the 20, they get inside the 10. It's been overly detailed how, how much trouble Nebraska's had scoring touchdowns. We know the adventures at field goal. Who is RB2 today, Cranach? You got Ramir, and when push comes to shove, let's just lean on Ramir and, and pray that he stays healthy, right, to, to get in and find his way into the, in the end zone. That said, you're going to need a second punch at running back along with Adrian's legs today. Do you feel like Yant can stabilize? Is it a Morrison moment? Where do you think Nebraska goes? Nebraska was a little coy with that uh, beyond and behind Ramirez when we when we listen back to what Coach Frost had to say this week. It's a tough one because obviously what's going on isn't physical. You know, the reasons why either Step or Morrison – or Yant hasn't been able to solidify that number two spot or take the spot from from Ramir because what Ramir has done is stabilize the position. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's doing a good job of uh, you know picking up picking up blitzes, knowing the plays, catching the ball. The you know he's he's doing all the all the things. <laughs> you know so you're not terribly concerned with with him behind him I, in terms of just consistent running ability. I don't know what this means for pass blocking and everything else. But in terms of just consistent running ability, I like Sevion. You know, I, I I just have yet to see a game with him where he where I was sort of disappointed in his carries or his snaps. He's not tripping over his feet at the goal line. He's you know, got to catch the ball. Generally, he's what? He's just got to catch the ball. See, yeah, right, and that might be it. But in terms of just sheer running ability, I think he's probably your most talented guy. Um, Yant obviously brings some stuff to the table, but you know there's 
there's a reason why he has such a short leash. Um, we don't know what that reason is, but <laughs> he has a very short leash. Um, and then Marquise, I, I don't know. I, I just I have no idea what's happening there. So, like, I, I guess you would hope it comes together for Sevian because I think he's the one that can get you plays off script. I think Ramir is good on script. I'd, I'd like to see Ramir break some tackles. I'd like to see him shake some guys loose and take one to the house. Speed-wise, he's got it. He's one of the fastest players on the team. He's a pure track guy. Um, but you just haven't seen him get loose on long plays. Um, Sevian, I think, gives you that ability, and you see glimpses of it, even though he's only getting you know two, three, four, five carries um, each time out. Mark, we'd be a little bit remiss here if we didn't talk about the, the Purdue defensive line when we were talking about the Nebraska offense because uh, George Karloftis, he can be a game wrecker. Uh, but Nebraska has shown themselves to be able to handle uh, good pass rushers like that in the form of Aiden Hutchinson against Michigan. Do you think Nebraska goes for a, a similar game plan where they're, uh, they're trying to make him make some decisions, trying to make him or t- take advantage of his aggressiveness? Uh, it seems like Nebraska, while they've struggled to protect the, the passer this season, uh, they have done a pretty good job limiting the guys that you're expecting to really be game wreckers. See, I, it's tough to know with, with the way Purdue plays defense and then with like I don't, I don't think it's a good comp between Karloftis and Hutchinson, yeah. just in terms of their style, um, because Hutchinson is an upfield, super aggressive, you know, momentum. I'm going this way, and that's all you and try to stop me type guy. Whereas Karloftis is, an, he's an athlete. I mean, he's a, he can drop back, right? Like he's he's quick on his feet. He's more um, just agile in general. So I think, you know, he does some, he does some like block destruction stuff that's pretty interesting. I mean, he can hop over linemen by pushing them down. He can shed people really well. He can change direction really quickly. He's he's more like he, he's more like a, a safety type athlete at 260 or 275 pounds, right? So he's he's a he's a very unique challenge. Um, at, I think fans will be impressed with him today. I mean, his name is going to be called a lot. Um, and it's not like I've watched Purdue a million times this year, but in the few times that I have, I mean, he jumps off the screen. And, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard, too, he's like he, he played like on the Olympic water polo team or something in Greece. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's a different cat out there. Um, I don't know what Nebraska is going to do about him, but I don't, I, I'm pretty sure they're not going to try to run towards him too much. I'd challenge him in the option game, but that's just me. Uh, assuming Adrian's uh, left wheel is still good. Cranach will let you get gathered up and make your way down to the stadium. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio. Need a prediction before we say goodbye, bud? Uh, let's go 30-22 Nebraska <laughs> with the cover. That was a long sigh of, yeah, let's throw this at the dartboard. <laughs> All right. All right. Safe travels uh, to you guys, and, and we'll see you down here. All right, bud? All right, Chris. Be good. See you, Elijah. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back to you, Tail Varsity Weekend Edition, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, live here at the Single Barrel Inside the Graduate Home Football Fridays. We're here four to six, and of course, uh, pregame with this two thirty kickoff, we moved back the normal seven to nine morning extravaganza. 
as uh, Cranach en route down here for Nebraska-Purdue with his little ones. Elijah Herbal back at our ESPN studios. Real red reaction follows right here live from the single barrel immediately after Nebraska-Purdue. JP and Meg and, of course, Elijah Herbal. And, Elijah, you got your run-the-damn-ball shirt on. You're feeling, feeling good about that, uh, that number. Uh, over under 200 for the Big Red today. I know Purdue's D's good. Their front seven solid. Their pass coverage is pretty uh, pretty dynamite. But it is going to be Adrian. It's going to be Ramirez. And it's going to be a third part of that headed monster for Nebraska to get a W today. It's going to be on the ground. Maybe you take a, a page out of out of Wisconsin and you just go demolition man. You just you just try and out physical Purdue. Uh, so. Are you? Do you have two different run the damn ball shirts? Do you have one with, and one without sleeves? Tell me here what the, the fashion trend is here in uh, in late October. Well, I, I got the jacket sitting behind me uh, just in case. You got we're, a jacket too. We're, 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 <laughs> it's not a run the damn ball jacket. Just okay, uh, it just yet, it's just yet. a normal jacket. However, I think once I leave the studio here, I'm going to do some evaluating what the weather's looking like. Uh, it's supposed to be mid-60s and beautiful, but if the wind starts picking up, I might have to rock the jacket. If not, I might be just rocking short sleeves this afternoon. Uh, but just speaking of run the damn ball, I hope specifically they run the damn option today. Because uh, mm. did, did you see this uh, this graphic from ESPN during the Tulsa and Navy game? It's hilarious. It was games you don't want to face an option team. And the list is the first game of the season, the last game of the season, and any game between the first game and the last game. Less, e- ESPN right. had that up last night on their uh, their Tulsa Navy broadcast. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was very fitting for today. Man, I'm feeling for our, our dear friend Iowa Russ right now. The Hawkeyes uh, are in a world of hurt. They got sl- just slapped at the goal line uh, and held out, and it's now 17 nothing. Wisconsin over Iowa. At last check, Michigan over Michigan State. You had uh, uh, Michigan with a with a slant route that went about 70 yards to the house. Walker got loose for about a 45-yard touchdown gallop. It's 10 to seven in the in the rain. Now it's tied at 13 apiece. Uh, as I refresh the old dinosaur phone here, 13 apiece. Uh, can come see us. We've got some koozies to hand out to keep your beverage cold. Uh, the buffet is still uh, delicious here at the Single Barrel, and the Bloody Marys are legend here at the Single Barrel. So come um, come get some wake-up juice this morning. We had a chance to, to run down our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles. Uh, Searles, of course, on the broadcast with Nebraska, uh, standout Husker uh, that was just a, a really high-level tackle uh, and then also played guard and center uh, in the NFL. A, a really strong NFL career for Searles, too. He's one of our favorites. He's a frequent uh, contributor and guest for us. And here's our conversation as uh, Searles broke down this Purdue-Nebraska matchup. It's Jeremiah Searles, our Rewind segment here on Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in our favorite sideline man, our favorite uh, charger, and Panther and Bill in Viking and uh, Deer Hunter, Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. It's where you follow him on Twitter and you hear him uh, do great work on the sidelines. Searles, what are you doing? No, I just got back from down to the stadium, filmed this week's Tale of the Tape, got the, the podcast, podcast out, sideline scoop with Searles recorded and uh, you know, just getting ready, kind of geared back up for Husker football. I needed a nice little reprieve for the last, last couple of weeks. 
Don't uh, don't doubt it. Is there screaming in the household? There is, I mean, there's children in the household, so there's always screaming in the household. It's just a matter of what level of screaming is involved. I was making sure it wasn't you watching the uh, the, the front four of Purdue. No, it's definitely not. I mean, there's only one guy in Purdue that scares me. His name's George Kloff. So St. George is the guy. Searles, let's go there real quick, briefly. And uh, as you've uh, taken your, your notepad out and the pen ready, you know, what what kind of impresses you with this Purdue defense and what uh, what looks like maybe a feast perhaps for the Nebraska offense? You know, it was hard studying the film because the last two weeks the Purdue defense has gone against an offense that is basically nothing like ours, right? I mean, you look at this offense – then they played again, or this defense when they went against Iowa, and then they go against Wisconsin. Both teams that get under center, both teams that have fullbacks in the game, and they're running. I mean, a lot of in between the tackle power runs versus you haven't seen them really have to try and defend the option or the outside zone or the RPO very much in the last few weeks. So studying has been a little different because it's not real sure what to expect out of them. But I think that if I'm a betting man. If Purdue's going to look to how to stop Nebraska's offense, they're going to turn on Minnesota's tape and say, okay, what did they do? How did they take away the triple option? How did they take away the zone read? What did they do? They dropped a safety down low. They put two guys in the quarterback and forced Adrian to hand it off. And so I think that they're going to do that a lot with Karloftis, or Karloftis down there on the defensive end side. And I think that they're going to be very much play back and try and force our run game through the running back, especially if, Ramirez uh, not full go. I'm assuming that he is, but I think they're really going to make our running backs run on them this week and try and take Adrian away. Well, and and Purdue's gonna gonna make Nebraska prove they can run the ball without stacking a box. Purdue's got everyone else has been able to get pressure with four. If I'm Purdue, I'm dropping seven, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, you make them you make them stop your front four, and then if they stop your front four then you send the pressure. And they don't pressure a lot. Purdue's not a big pressure team, but when they do dial it up, they come out with something, whatever the flavor of the day is, is what I like to call it, the blitz of the week. And, I mean, they hit one on Wisconsin where the running back missed the corner coming off the edge, and it was a sack sack fumble that ended up into points for them. So when they do dial up a blitz, it's been schemed, and they do it against a certain look. So I'd be curious to see how early uh, Obrami there dives into his bag of tricks as well. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, sideline man for Nebraska football and standout Husker, a longtime NFLer, joins us. So, Searles, uh, what what were your guys' pet plays, either in the NFL or at Nebraska? You guys didn't have problems. You had good kickers at Nebraska, but you guys, you guys scored a, a lot of explosive plays, but you also were able to punch it in with, with uh, Amir in the red zone or Rexy in the red zone. That's, that's big as well. But what was your go-to? What were you guys super confident with and why were you so good in the red zone? I mean, we were confident with our inside run game when we got to the red zone. And I think that when you get down to the red zone, everything gets so caught up and everything just shortens. The whole field just shortens. Right. And so we always loved going to our zone read because the, the zone read down there is it's really hard to make a team or make the defense right. Because if you block the run the exact right way, you should be able to get it a walk in because those linebackers are going to be in there are going to be at four or five yards. You get them blocked up and those safeties are there, but they have to, they don't have the full 10 yards to find the run fit. Right. 
when they have the field, when you're out there and their safeties are at 12, 13 yards and they can find the run fit because they run up on it, great. But when you're at inside the 10 or inside the 15, those safeties are standing at 10 yards, they get lost in the sauce. They, they get lost in everything in there. So you can pound it in. And then if they want to crash off the end and the quarterback pulls it, usually the defensive end doesn't track them down until five, six, eight yards in. And so it's usually a walk-in. So I love the zone read when you get inside the 15-yard line. I think it's one of the better plays that we used to run both at Minnesota and when we got to uh, when we were here in Nebraska. And the other one we loved, I love the G scheme pull uh, where we'd pin on the front side, pull the guard outside, and we toss it to Rex. If you recall, that was the Ohio State big touchdown we had on the comeback. We ran that play like 10 times in a row. So we, we had some staples we went to, but I, honestly, looking at this football team, I'm not sure what their staple is when they get in the red zone. Does Nebraska's personnel match up with that, that G scheme pull you're talking about? Could they do that? They do. They, they do a version of it. It's a little different than we used. We used to pull the front side guard and pull him around, and we used to toss it to Rex or Amir, kind of even out of the gun, and toss it around the edge. They like to pull the backside guard on the option now, and so they have the backside guard pull because it freezes up that defensive end where he doesn't know if it's a kick play underneath or if it's the option, and so it allows the guard to either pull around and seal him or it allows the guard to kick him out and you can hit it up underneath. But I think that I like the way that they run that G-scheme front side option play, too. It's a really nice one. The big thing is we've been trying to run speed option into the boundary a lot, and what you're going to see is teams are going to start doing what I call squeeze and scrape, mm-hmm. which means the defensive end is going to squeeze that tackle down into that B-gap, and the linebacker is just going to replace him, scrape over the top into the C-gap, which then leaves you two guys standing out there on the edge for the option, which is never a good thing. Minnesota did that, which is what Scott was talking about at halftime with me talking about how they're taking most of the option games. So again, they're going to see that on tape, and I think Purdue's going to try and mimic some of that as well. And so when we're talking about that option, we've, we've heard out of uh, practice this week, Adrian looks healthier, he looks a little bit more fresh. Do you think that's going to make the, uh, the option games a whole more effective, or, or do you think that uh, Purdue's going to come in with, uh, with a better game plan than some teams early in the year did? You know, I, I think that him being fresh obviously helps. But the one thing I will say Minnesota did is they sold out on the fact that, like, if Adrian's going to run option – we're going to hit him and make him pay for it. Every time Adrian pitched that ball, there was one guy that knew his responsibility was the quarterback, and he was going to hit Adrian. He wasn't going to try and play the middle game of like, hey, maybe I can tip the pitch or maybe whatever, like play that middle field. No, the people in Minnesota, the defensive coordinators, geared up a really nice plan for that triple option to where they said, you are responsible for the quarterback. If you see option coming at you, your job is to just hit the quarterback, force him to pitch it, but make him think about pitching it next time. And so I would anticipate a lot more of that from our opponents as we move forward here because it was effective. Searles, uh, let's go to what Saturday is about. And it's been an interesting season where Nebraska's been right there against a loaded group of top 10 teams. Nebraska's not done well as a favorite on the road. Now they get a chance to to be a favorite at home. First time since Northwestern. And I'm, I'm interested here on how you've felt about the season. Where has it been draining? Has it been exciting? Where are you at? Put your put your ex-player hat on for a second. Also, look at it from, from your job now as the sideline man as you've been able to, to, to be up close and personal for every game. Uh, you can see progress, 
but you want to see that that progress result in a win. Yeah, I mean, looking at the program, and I tell people all the time, people are like Nebraska's a bad football team. And I have a hard time saying that because I've been around bad football teams. Shoot, I was on a bad football team in Buffalo. We were 6-10. and 10. And this, to me, is not a bad football team. And that's the frustrating part is I look at it, and from 2018 to where we are now, I can see the strides that have been made. But that's because I can see it from more of an analytical piece because I played the game. But really, I mean, in the grand scheme, in the national media, in Really, in life, I mean, it's about W's and L's, right? It's about production, and we haven't quite been able to do that, and we haven't been able to get those W's that we needed to, and that's the part for me that's like, where's the disconnect? Because there is one. There's a disconnect somewhere, and I can't figure it out. I don't know if Scott can figure it out, but there's just something that we're not all on the same page about, which is what that – that's what generates wins. That's what allows you to find those ways to win in those crazy hard games or crazy close games. And as the former player in me, I never really questioned sometimes where it's like it got close down at the end. And I mean, we were in a ton of comeback games my junior and senior year. And we always just knew like, Hey, we're going to go win this game. Like that was just in our mindset. And we did it a few times, which is what I think was allowed us to keep doing it. And this team just hasn't been able to do it. And, Scott said at his press conference on Monday where he's like, you know, I can see around the corner because he's been there, he's done that. But if you think about it, nobody on this team has been on a team, has been on a, a college football team that's been able to go in and win it there at the end. And until we do, people just don't understand what that feels like. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take a couple times being able to do that before people actually understand what it does feel like. Did it take just that first time for your group? knowing that you can, can can pull one off, or did it have to be, all right, yeah, it's like a game of horse, you made the game winner, now prove it? it? It's about stacking them together. I think that it's about doing it once and understanding, okay, I understand how that feels, now go do it again. I, I mean, it's all about understanding the confidence level because when you do something to where you can come in and you win the game at the end of the game, you then can go in the next week and prepare the exact same way because what you did worked. Versus when you lose a game, you feel like you have to go back in next week and maybe tweak something, maybe a different way you prep or a different way you practice or a different look, a different scheme versus when you go in and you say, oh, wow, we won the game at the end of the game. Cool. Rinse and repeat exactly what we did last week versus when you go and have games like Michigan State and Michigan and Oklahoma where you almost did it, you're now changing certain things because it wasn't good enough. And so that consistency piece is really hard to build when you're trying to tweak things here or there each and every week. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, I don't want to look too far ahead here, but I do want to look a little bit bigger picture at these last four games for Nebraska. How big is it for this Husker team to develop uh, and generate some momentum going into the offseason, especially uh, whenever Coach Frost is saying things like, we're trying to go to the transfer portal and trying to go to JUCO to get just a couple more pieces to get us over that, that hump. Uh, how big will, be, uh, will it be to generate momentum uh, going into the offseason to get over the hump next season? Yeah, it's huge, and not even me. We can look at it a big picture, but I think me, I'm looking at it as you have two two-week seasons coming up. You've got two weeks here where you got to play Purdue and you got to play the monster that is Ohio State, and then you get a little bit of rest, and then you get to go Wisconsin-Iowa. And I think that the goal, and I was talking about on Sports Nightly, the fact is you have to go, and your goal needs to go one-and-one and one-and-one. And what I mean by that is you beat Purdue, and then you know, hey, we got a really tough test against Ohio State. 
and then you go beat Wisconsin, and then you're looking at going, anything can happen against Iowa on Black Friday in Memorial Stadium, especially if we're playing for a bowl game. So you win the first one there, and then you're looking at it. And I think that if you can put good performances together over the next four weeks, I'm not saying we have to win all four games because I'm being realistic, Ohio State's going to be really hard to win. I think that you put good performances, you win a minimum of two out of the next four, you build some of that momentum going forward, but ultimately the goal is to get to six to get to a bowl game, and I think it's possible, but it all starts on Saturday. It does. As you've been around things, you know, level of confidence Saturday, you're coming off a bye for Nebraska. They uh, are taking on a team they, they beat a year ago on the road, and there's not a lot of road wins, but Nebraska – had that game comfortable for a while, and then you had the collision and the 89-yarder to Bell. Uh, is this thing low scoring? Is this high scoring? Uh, to me, it's uh, to me it's all about red zone, man. We've hit on this all show long, and Nebraska's not been great in the red zone, but they're okay for the league. Purdue's been downright awful in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to come down to us capitalizing on turnovers. They turned the ball over five times against Wisconsin last week, and Wisconsin only scored 30 points. If we get two or three turnovers, those need to turn into touchdowns every time. And I do think I do think Plummer's going to throw us a couple. I do think that he gets a little careless with the ball. They don't even attempt at running the ball most of the time. They just throw it all the time. So I, I can see this being a fairly high-scoring game on Nebraska's front. But I can see this being one, too, that we route them pretty good if we get them to turn the ball over. I think that if we, this is a game we can win by two touchdowns. I really believe that. I think this could be a 35-17 to 17 type of game. I, I think it just depends what Nebraska shows up. Is it the Nebraska that played Michigan, or is it the Nebraska that played Minnesota? That's, that's the million-dollar question. Searles, last thought here. we got about a minute left. Looking at that Husker defense, Miles Farmer's going to have to step up and fill some big shoes from Deontay Williams, especially whenever you have such a deep threat uh, in David Bell coming to town. Uh, what do you think he does on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, he's got a great test in him, but I'm looking for a lot of guys in that secondary to step up to fill that role. You're not going to be able to fill it with just one guy, but Miles Farmer's going to step up, but Cam Taylor-Britt's going to have to have a big day against David Bell. I mean, this was kind of his coming out party last year when he played really well against David Bell. I mean, if I don't remember the safety that ever ran into him last year, doesn't run into him, that game is different. And so I think with Cam Taylor-Britt, if you want to go play in the NFL, dude, go shadow this kid. Go shadow this kid and, and, and shut him down and let him and let like go do your thing. But as far as the, the back end goes, very, very interested. Mile Farmer's going to get his opportunity, and it's going to be kind of a glimpse of what we might get next year. Well, I'll tell you what, Farmer, uh, his debut against Northwestern, two picks was good. He's comfortable there. He's He's had to do starting duty before and uh, cams cam shut down uh, dodson for penn state a year ago i think cam will be up for this Searles, the best to you and your fam we'll talk uh, more about bambi next week okay sounds good appreciate you man there he is jeremiah Searles, mr sideline for husker football at Searles 71 underscore hskrs where you follow him gary barnett's on the way yeah to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranick. Back with you here at the Single Barrel Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio, 1130 to 130. Inside the graduate folks milling around here down in the Haymarket. A lot of big red fans here bellying up to the buffet that is just magical. Uh, big thanks to Searles, the Rewind 
And, of course, uh, we caught up with Mark Cranach. He is en route uh, down here with his little ones to, to take the kids to the game. I think we, we may have a junior sighting as uh, he is going to, to go fishing for some seats. Uh, we'll see if Junior finds his way into the stadium uh, or not. Elijah Herbal is uh, back at our ESPN studios. The Iron Horse Gary Sharp is 30 minutes away. We'll catch up with him. We welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, uh, Brandon Vogel, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. where you follow him. Get his book, read his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogue's a uh, full uh, well, buffet of football this Saturday. A lot of great ball games and uh, kind of a statement opportunity. One of many this season for Nebraska football. How's your Saturday going and, and what's what's on your plate right now? What are you doing food-wise here as you, you soak in a lot of football before Nebraska-Purdue? Yeah, food-wise, nothing nothing too interesting. Um, but kind of with a, a 2.30 kickoff on my plate was, was watching the pregame shows. And I tell you what, uh, with both of them, uh, broadcasting live from East Lansing, Michigan. It, it stung a little bit to sit there and look at all that and be like, you know, Nebraska by all by all rights probably should have gone to East Lansing and beat this team uh, on the road. So it's game day even there if that had happened. So it was it was a little bit of a reminder of, oh yeah, this is how Nebraska season has gone. Like very good, but just not quite get be able to get over that particular hump. You know how cool seven and one or six and two would feel, Vogues, <laughs> right now, versus three and five, and do they make a bowl? Well, even even four and four, like you know, <laughs> we've got we've got game day, we've got game day and big noon Saturday uh, emanating from East Lansing, and, and Nebraska had a shot to beat both of those teams. So, like, pick one, and it totally changes the tone of everything we're talking about this season, uh, much less if you get both of them. So it was it was a little bit of a tough pill to swallow on that front, but still, you know, a tough pill to swallow because it's the pill that Husker fans have been asked to swallow for the past three years of, like, okay, getting closer, getting closer, we're close, we're close, we're close. And you can kind of point to this Michigan-Michigan State game and say, well, yeah, that's kind of evidence of that. But is Nebraska going to get there? And, and today kind of represents a little bit, not totally, but a little bit of that hurdle of, okay, go out, do what you, do what you can. You got an edge in terms of having a bye week and, and win this game. And the conversation changes quite a bit. Lose this game, and, well, it changes quite a bit for the worse if you're a member of the Nebraska coaching staff. Brandon Vogel's with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. We're here at the Single Barrel pregame here as uh, the weekend edition uh, until 1.30. It is a a narrative-defining game, isn't it? And, Vogel's, I know the fan base is... Probably exhausted with the, well, the the storyline all year long has been, well, this is can't lose. This is make or break. This is it. This is the, 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 the mother of all games this season. This is turning point, tipping point, pivot moment, yada, yada, yada. But it, it each week is it's like you're uh, you're you're maxing out uh, with your weights, folks. You, you, you continue to put more plates on the bar, brother. 
each week. And I know Purdue's not ranked. I know they're a far cry from what they did to Iowa uh, two weeks ago. But when it comes to that narrative here of, of proof in the progress, you got to win today. And I, I it is draining and and frustrating for Nebraska fans is the the week the bye week of Minnesota was. It, it's injury and insult uh, times two if you don't come off of a bye, play clean football, and beat a team right now that is in the in the midst of their own little tough stretch of consecutive games. That's really about it for me. Is is does Nebraska look ready to to, to finish strong? Do they look energized? And above all, can can you be a a winner at the quarterback spot with with a guy who's had a good season despite some bumps at Adrian because he's a, he's your difference maker today. He's always kind of your difference maker, good or bad. Yeah, that's that's really it for me too. Um, you look at so any team coming off a of bye week should have a little bit of an edge, right? Um, so okay, can you can you take advantage of that? Can you take advantage of the fact that Purdue is coming off back-to-back games against Iowa and Wisconsin, which a ton of credit to those programs. Like, playing them back-to-back is a grind. It's tough. They beat you up. And when you look at the Big Ten West, you know, especially this year where kind of the preseason favorite, Wisconsin, has come back to the pack a little bit, and you've got a massive teams there, a bunch of teams that are all, like, pretty good and I would put Nebraska in that group and capable of beating one another. Well, Nebraska's got to beat one of them eventually, right? Um, if, <laughs> if, if we're to keep believing that they're they're in that group, because statistically they are, and that's kind of what today represents. And, and on top of that, you're at home. Um, so in addition to the rest advantage, in addition to you, you, you haven't had to play Iowa and Wisconsin and get beat up back to back weeks. You're also at home. Can, can all of that look like it has an impact on the game? And, and that's, that's been the thing with Nebraska is so often, like, we can look at these things that kind of matter on a big picture sense. Playing at home matters. Um, have, having a bye week matters. And, and it so often feels like it doesn't influence the result, as if Nebraska's not kind of taking advantages of – the natural advantages that might be there for them. And that's really, when you when you really boil it down, the sign of a good football team. Like, win the games you're supposed to win. <laughs> when, when, you, when you out-talent teams, when you're at home in, in toss-up games, you need to win those. And, and today is one of those games. Brandon Vogel's with us here on the Saturday morning edition, I guess Saturday afternoon edition of Hale Varsity well, it's Radio. Still morning, it's still morning, Elijah. There's, there's the biggest pancakes I've seen in my life. Little Grant just got put in front of him. Sorry. That's your definition uh, of morning is when the pancakes are served, not like the clock. The pan, the, these are monster pancakes here. Uh, carry on. Sorry, I just had to interrupt with that. But Brandon, you mentioned the uh, the Wisconsin and Iowas of the world and how you play them back-to-back weeks. You're going to be pretty beat up. But has Nebraska reached that point now where we, we've seen uh, as Nebraska fans the, the added physicality in the team this year and uh, that's been growing over the past couple years. Has Nebraska reached that point now where uh, they're a team where the, the next week after after you play Nebraska, you're feeling a little bit more beat up, especially uh, the Nebraska defense. They seem to be flying around a little bit more this year. 
Yeah, I think I think defensively they certainly have. It kind of this, this is a really good point that you bring up, Elijah. Kind of that notion on its own of like, oh, you play these teams back to back, you're gonna be you're gonna be feeling some bumps and bruises. Is it, kind of I think Nebraska plays the style of offense that they're never gonna get the full credit of when that was the case. I mean, you think about '90s Nebraska. And that was certainly the case. And well, they ran the football a ton, and they beat you up on the on on the line both ways. And it was easy to give them credit for that. But I do, I have seen steps in that regard of Nebraska getting closer to that. And you know, it's something that this coaching staff has talked about, um, not just this year, but like really from the time that they arrived. Of we want to be the most physical team on the field. And I think you should you see that defensively. It's tough to feel that way offensively. Uh, well, it's tough to feel that way offensively if you don't run a kind of Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa type of offense. But it's also tough, like, unless you, just, you can just point to the offensive line and say, like, oh, yeah, those guys, those guys basically dominate whoever is in front of them. And that hasn't been the case yet for Nebraska. So it's still a work in progress on that front. Should they should they get there, be it this year or at some point down the road, maybe they'll get a little more credit for that. Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Weekend Edition. We're uh, pre-gaming here at the Single Barrel. Elijah Herbal back at our ESPN studios. So, Vogues, uh, how much comfort do you have with the Nebraska defense knowing what what to expect from Purdue. And I ask that because you've had the, the, the three-quarterback merry-go-round a little bit. You need running from, from both of the quarterbacks, not named uh, O'Connell. But in, in all sincerity, Nebraska's seen that, that quarterback run game that stung them in 19, right, when they blew the lead. Uh, they were able to, to handle business last year, uh, and, and it was O'Connell that, that came in and did some good things. Nebraska's seen a lot of different change-ups from, from Brom and Purdue. Does that give Nebraska more confidence, in your opinion, that they can kind of play fast and physical defensively today? Yeah, I, I think with a, an offense that throws as much as Purdue is, but within that kind of overall shell, can be pretty varied. Um, I mean, you know, they'll they'll run all of the passing content, concepts, and they'll 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 attempt attempt some some trick plays. Having dealt with that, you can you can feel good about it. And the advantage of like, oh, this team is probably not just going to line up and run it against anyone, but particularly a good a, de- a defense as good as Nebraska's has been so far offers you an advantage, but. The fact that Purdue likes to throw it so much still remains kind of a curveball because they can they can be pretty varied in that. It, it, the, we look at this, uh, and, and, and I agree with this. Nebraska's defensive primary objective is they have to stop, they have to be able to hold up against the pass, and they've done a good job against against that so far. But the, the biggest danger sign here is if Purdue is somehow able to to find some big plays in the run game, which we've seen occasionally in these games in the past. And that's kind of the shortcut of how you take an offense where you feel pretty good about knowing what they're going to do. And it seems much more varied. So we, 
all, all of the pregame talk has been about, well, you got to hold up against pass, and you know Purdue's going to pass a lot, and that's good, and that's an advantage, but you still got to remain kind of airtight against the run for even if it's an offense that you may only expect to average, say, three yards a carry, you still got to keep them to that. So that's kind of the big thing for Nebraska today, I think. Brandon Vogel's with us here at Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, do you have a, a magic number in terms of passing yardage that if Nebraska can hold Purdue under this number, you think they stand a pretty good chance of winning this afternoon? Um, more so than yards, it's completion percentage because with the the amount of passes that I think they're going to throw, um, they're, they're going to get some yards. So every time Nebraska has played Purdue under Brom and Frost so far, Purdue's thrown for, for over 300 yards, and they've gone one and two in those games. So you start to get above 300, and you're edging into that, that trouble area. The bigger thing is, for me, is two out of those three Purdue-Nebraska games so far, the Boilermakers have been able to complete 70% plus of their passes. And you're going to be in trouble if they're able to do that because that means they're hitting some shots downfield. But more than that, they're also able to kind of stay on schedule and continue moving the chain with with short and intermediate stuff. So if Nebraska keeps that completion rate down around 65% or better, which is about what Purdue's averaging on the year, they should be in pretty good shape, at least on the defensive side of things. Vogue's couple last thoughts here, bud. Uh, who is kind of your ringleader today for Nebraska when it comes to getting after the quarterback merry-go-round at Purdue? Is it the pride of Scott's bluff? Is it a Garrett Nelson day? Is it a Caleb Tanner day? Uh, is it is it is it Big Boogie? I mean, is Boogie going to get after it on the interior, or is it it somebody from the the, the secondary? Or, or linebacker level, the interior. I mean, what's, what's Nebraska's best plan of attack here off the edge? Uh, can you get home with four, man? That's, that's, a, that's another question as well. Everyone else has gotten home with four or harassed Nebraska offensively. Well, flip it around. Can, what, what does Nebraska's defense look like today? Is it four plus one, four plus two with man coverage? What's, what's the medicine here? Yeah, I think getting home with four is, is kind of the key there. And if, if Garrett Nelson were to end up as as your sack leader at the end of this game, that would basically be that. So I, w- I would keep an eye on him. Um, you know, it, I think JoJo Doman has the potential to have a pretty big game here for Nebraska. But I don't know if that includes any or many, um, definitely not many, sacks on his end. So so Nebraska's going to have to win some one-on-one defensive line-wise, and so much of this kind of depends on how the game flow goes, of what they're able to do in terms of blitzing, but really, in terms of pass rush, I kind of look at the, the guys up front, so your defensive line, and then you got guys like Nelson and Tanner, who are naturally part of the pass rush a lot of the time. And it's going to be up to up up to really those four or five guys, I think, to to kind of put pressure on the Purdue quarterback. And Purdue's given up a good number of sacks, but when you factor in the number of passing attempts that they have, 
it kind of comes back to middle of the road. So it's not a given to me that Nebraska is going to put a ton of pressure on the passers. They're going to have to go out and earn that. Vogues, I need a, a score prediction and a knee jerk. Did did Purdue break Iowa? <laughs> um, no, I don't think Purdue broke Iowa. Um, I think Iowa got to it was it was way positive in in the turnover margin, and it had a very limited offense. And when you when you go way positive in the turnover op- margin. You don't notice that. So so you beat in Indiana, and you beat in Iowa State out of the gates. But you still got to be able to move the football and score. Uh, as for a score prediction today, I, I expect Nebraska, like, nothing is off the table with this Husker team, I think, as we've all kind of learned over the past three and a half seasons. But I expect Nebraska to play well. So I'd be somewhere right there in the 31 to 20, 31-21 range Huskers. Okay, I lied to you. I know you're like, dude, could ask me questions, Schmidt. I got to go volleyball for a second, okay? I got I to gotta get some volleyball love. And, you know, you go from Wisconsin now to Minnesota, and the Gophers ranked 11th, and a tough, tough match for Nebraska midweek against Whit- Whiskey. Now you go to, to Minnesota. What's some keys here? What do you think of the Big Red tonight uh, in the Twin Cities? Yeah, also a good test for, for Nebraska volleyball-wise because you got to go on the road after you just dropped your first conference game of the season. And sort of like football, I, I expect Nebraska to respond and play pretty well. This, this Minnesota team's kind of been up and down. It's been, uh, it's been hot and cold a little bit. And when I look at Nebraska volleyball's consistency, I think that ultimately wins out. But Minnesota's a tough place to play. It's a unique place to play. And, and Nebraska's going to have to play well to, to go there and win that match. So I think it, it's kind of a telling Saturday for, for both of those Nebraska pro- programs, uh, just in, in different ways. But we're going to learn something about, about Nebraska volleyball. Vogues, take care. We'll get caught up next week. Uh, log on, hailvarsity.com. Uh, check out uh, Brandon Vogel uh, for sure. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel and uh, get his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Uh, thoughts uh, all over hailvarsity.com today. And, of course, the magazine uh, following Nebraska Purdue, Nebraska Volleyball, and Husker Hoops. Uh, what, a, what an amazing staff and crew uh, with Hale Varsity for all your big red coverage. Folks, have a great weekend. Thanks for a few minutes. You too. Thank you. All right. Uh, a quick timeout. The Iron Horse is in the on-deck circle. Gary Sharp is with us. He's waving at us right now. If you're streaming at ESPN Lincoln on Facebook, is he going to hockey hammer me here in a second? Uh, we will tell you what Wisconsin continues. Elijah's? Yeah. yeah. I think Elijah's. <laughs> he's got, Elijah's gonna. He's gonna rip the sleeves off of the run the damn ball shirt. That is a great shirt. That needs to happen today. It does. We'll hear more from Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, shortly. Hail Varsity Weekend Roadshow continues here at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate with ESPN Lincoln. with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. 
Back to you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Roadshow Saturday. Pre-game here at the Single Barrel. It is hopping. You know what? Not a lot of chirping, but a lot of eating. Some folks are enjoying the massive pancakes, maybe a Coors Light. The buffet is set up and is wonderful. That fresh fruit looks delicious. The muffins uh, made with love. And uh, Elijah, from a breakfast standpoint, brother, are you just a bacon and eggs guy? Do you go biscuits and gravy? Are you are you sausage omelet? Um, what what is your poison, my friend? And is I kind of love to just get all the calories. Where I need my hash browns, I need my biscuits and gravy, I need my scrambled eggs, and I need as much bacon as is can be afforded one person on a plate i mean that's that's how i get down yeah no breakfast is honestly the greatest meal ever invented like the, with with the breakfast options <laughs> that are available like i will go to ihop i'll go to highway diner i'll go to village in any day of the week any meal of the day like give me all that stuff uh my, my preferences do tend more towards sausage over bacon I like me a good sausage link as opposed to a strip of bacon. Bacon's good in the right sense, but sausage just got all that, all the flavor in sausage, just incredible. Um, you got to have the hash browns. And uh, honestly, my favorite breakfast dish. I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's a crazy dish. It was passed down from my grandpa to me. It's you get your hash browns and you go three sunny side up eggs on top. So you need to have the soft okay. yolks, and then you just put a whole bunch of salt, pepper, and ketchup all over the top. And mix it all up. I, I mean, ketchup's good. I don't do ketchup on my hash browns, but your grandpa was was nails with that. Oh yeah, it de- um, definitely yeah, is. It's definitely three, heart, the, attack, the, uh, heart attack. Heart <laughs> attack. Um, what would the, the three uh, the three runny eggs on top? Uh, grandpa Hunt, Grandpa Ivan uh, was awesome uh, for so many years to us, and he would he would be up with us when we were doing our paper out in the morning, and, and Uncle Mark was the. Uh, it was the boss, so, you know, I'm working for him uh, in, you know, sixth grade through eighth grade. We're delivering papers in the morning, and whenever Grandpa would come to town from a cook from Jeff Kenny country, he'd uh, put the, the, the tailgate of his pickup down, and we'd, we'd do our best third down and eight out route uh, attempt, right, and, and get it to the porch, praying it wasn't the, the roof. And then he'd take us, and we'd get, we'd get hash browns with cheese mm. and like the vitamin d chocolate milk that yep. <laughs> was like its own malt but we we've been teasing you with tasty breakfast thoughts because the uh, the buffet is for real down here at the single barrel it's, it's incredible get a red beer uh get yourself a bloody mary get a cocktail then make your way to 10th and vine big ball game uh big ball game today nebraska purdue we had a boiler maker on the on the air last night not a fan or coach or player, but a, a shot of whiskey inside a beer. And, and, and that treated us all right. It, it got the, the Friday night going. Come on down here, here till, uh, till about 1.30. You heard it's a big me game. Right. We know that the because the Iron Schmidt Horse is on site. Well, Gary Sharp is next. Hail Varsity Weekend is presented by the Nebraska Lottery. I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then... Two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio Weekend, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranach uh, en route uh, with his little ones to take them to the game. 
And it's a big ball game, of course, because the Iron Horse is here on site here at the Single Barrel. Gary Sharp with us. Elijah Herbal back at our ESPN studios. Sharpie, top 10 day today. Oh, it's beautiful outside. It is you know, 24 years ago in this town and in this part of Nebraska, we had a Halloween snowstorm. Remember that? They, like, crippled uh, all of us for a couple of days. Today is like a shorts day in late October. It is gorgeous out. Now, will what happens between 2.30 and about 6.30 match how nice it is? That is TBA. It is absolutely TBA, and uh, I feel bad. Uh, Avid listener, friend of the show, uh, Iowa Russ, now taking to Twitter, and we are thinking about him because his Hawkeyes are getting steamrolled. But, but, but. Uh, They are down inside of the five-yard line to begin the second half. So we'll see if it was just a -a (laughs) rope-a-dope against Wisconsin. Uh, Big Ten West football. Gotta love it, baby. You do. It is moving day in the Big Ten as Penn State will either show a pulse or get hammered by the Ohio State. Nebraska, though, Sharpie is on our mind here with just this this Purdue kind of Rubik's Cube and and what what the matchup is between Brom and Frost and it's been entertaining it's been exciting just crazy games but it's also been maddening for Nebraska fans because instead of being three and zero or two and one against teams or a team in Purdue that a lot of Nebraska fans think they're they're, they're better than uh, they're one and two trying to even the, the series at two and two but most importantly kind of get some momentum back that was drained uh so violently in that first half against minnesota after a bye week yeah that was a bad loss uh and into a bye week and you know into a bye week and out of a bye week nebraska hasn't won under scott frost uh nebraska and purdue are very similar you know if you go back to 2018 remember when purdue beat ohio state ohio state was number two in the country it was in west lafayette they blew them out 49 to 20 well since that game, Purdue is 12-19. and 19. Remember a couple of weeks later, the next time Ohio State would play as a number eight team, Nebraska went into Columbus and played competitively at that point when it was really a struggle bus season, but Nebraska had started to put some wins together finally under Scott in his first year. Since then, Nebraska's 13-18. and 18. So outside of Purdue's win at Iowa against then the number two team in the country, Purdue and Nebraska are very, very similar. And, it, you know, Brom got into the league a year ahead of Scott. They're both offensive wonder kids that were supposed to change how the Big Ten West looks, where you're supposed to run the ball, stop the, the run, and have time of possession. Well, Brom still is throwing the ball over the place. I mean, they throw the ball a ton, and I think they will today. Um, but it's an interesting matchup. But whatever it is, I'm not into must-wins because I think every game that Nebraska football plays right now is a referendum, and it's a must-win. It's uh, I label it as a very good idea to win today. <laughs> I think you're right on, and just from a from a passion standpoint, the fan base, uh, the team, the, the staff. I mean, everybody's been through this roller coaster season. Uh, you're right. I mean, we've had pivot moment, uh, turning point, flip the script. I mean, that's that's been a a label for about 50 games this yeah. season. And but you're you're right on. It is a very good idea to win. And let's talk bigger picture here with, with Coach Frost. And, you know, I thought uh, our friend Tom Chattel had a really good column this morning uh, when it comes to progress and proof. And you have four games. Let, let your action, let your 
Uh, let, let, let the scoreboard do the talking here if you're Nebraska, not only today but moving forward here as you try and push towards postseason. Well, what I've said from the start, and this was, I, I, thought I started to say this back in, in March and April, you're going to know everything you need to know about Nebraska football when they walk off the field on Black Friday against Iowa. So if you're looking at it from the athletic director's standpoint, and I don't think he's made up his mind, and I don't get the sense that he's going to make a move because he's not ready. I, I think he believes that there are certain things as a football guy that he sees that we can't in the outside that gives him hope that this is going to turn around. Now it's a results-based business, and you've start, you got to start winning some football games and taking advantage of these opportunities. Is This is a great evaluation point for Nebraska. You're coming out of a bye. How do you react to it? Are you ready to play right away? What have you done to win the bye week, so to speak? Have you taken advantage of the time off to look internal and and scout your own self? And then you pivot to the second-best team in the country that will come in here next week and is really the only team left on the schedule that can boat race you. Then you have another bye, and then the Wisconsin game now looks even more difficult as uh, I think they just stopped Iowa at the goal line. Again, yeah, recovered so, a fumble. Uh, and, then, and then Iowa comes in here on Black Friday, and, and you know what the history says. So today is a very important game. But I think how it looks today is important for Nebraska. I don't think this team has quit. I don't think they've rolled over. But, boy, if things don't go well today, then you start wondering because the Ohio State is coming in here. But I expect Nebraska to play well today. Um, you know, they're catching Purdue at the right time, coming off of Iowa and Wisconsin. So where are they at physically? I know that uh, Horvath is warming up right now. He would be their number one running back. If he's not available, they only have one scholarship running back. Um, but Nebraska has to play well, and I think it's important for Nebraska to get off to a quick start, to come out of the gates because, look it, they're such a confusing team. We want them to have quick starts. They don't. But the last two games, they were down 13 at halftime, came back, took the lead, down 12 and put themselves in a position to win the game but I think today they got to get off to a good start because what happens if you go three and out right away out of a bye you'll be like oh boy yeah you, you can't you can't have uh, a situation where you, you can't get the motor going and you need your first quarters to start looking more like your third quarters and how about you have a first and third quarter that are both you know 10 to 10 to 13 well. to 14 points uh, accessible. Uh, Iowa scored, so it's now 20 to, 20 to 7. This yeah, is I, I, for you and Elijah. This is where this team doesn't make sense, is there's a lot of things to like about this team, and then there's a lot of things that look the same, but they have flipped the script on, okay, the scripted plays aren't ending up in the end zone, but then they come out to start the third quarter. In the past, that has been rough for Nebraska. They come out, and they look really good in the third quarter. There's a lot of elements of this team that don't make sense, and you would think if they could ever put it together and get over the hump, what kind of an impact, guys, that would have. Gary, I, I want to ask you something that Schmidt and I were discussing on the show yesterday, and that's does, does Nebraska need a close win? Uh, in this game here to springboard into the end of the year when you can assume there's going to be some close games, particularly I'm looking at Iowa and Wisconsin, is it important for Nebraska to go out today uh, and not just get a win, but to get that win in close fashion to build some confidence that, hey, we can do this. We, we can not blow the game whenever it's tight in the fourth quarter. Uh, at some point, they're going to have to win one of those football games. And, and I think as, as Adrian gets ready to what I believe is his last four games as the quarterback at Nebraska, is you'd like to see him get one of those games. But what would you feel better with, guys? Nebraska having their defense on the field, trying to hold Purdue off from driving and tying or winning, or the offense out there trying to preserve a lead with a four-minute offense or 
in the scenario that they've been in most of the time with the offense that they've got to go make a play. It's been a long time since the defense has been the one that's got to make the stop. I think that's Iowa in 18 uh, is the one I can recall. Mm-hmm. It's just at some point it's got to flip. But, boy, you're starting to run out of opportunities. I, I don't, though, guys, I don't see this game being a tight one-score game today. I, I love that. I'm going to run with it all the way to the bookies, Sharpie. <laughs> but no, what you laid out there is, look, the defense has shown, and this was a year ago, clearly a different team, but defense made the stops against Penn State, right? Uh, defense uh, made the stops and uh, and got some wins in this Frost era. You have to go back to the Sparty game in the snow yep. where the offense drove and got a field goal or the offense drove and got a field goal against Northwestern. Uh, it, it's pretty telling to be able to tell specific instances where there's three or four games over a four-year period that we're highlighting here. Um, it'd be nice to, to have a kind of a Northwestern-type uh, route or explosive win today if you're Nebraska. Defense has shown me enough where if push comes to shove, they can dial up enough and and get a stop to preserve a win. I want to see the offense, like you touched on, have an opportunity in a four-minute offense to go either run the clock out or put a successful two-minute drill together. They they need to be able to kind of prove that to themselves. If they win by 10 or more, mood point doesn't matter. But uh, given the opportunity, I'd like to see them finally finish in that situation keep in mind guys this is the best offense that purdue has faced they haven't faced an adrian martinez and he is healthy so he'll be able to put his foot in the ground and i think they'll run some option but this is a really good purdue defense i give credit to jeff brom mm-hmm. i mean he he made the decision to fire bob diaco that was a disaster last year uh all of us here could have told him that but he made the decision to make a change and they basically have three coordinators that are designing their defense and they're pretty good on defense Carloftis uh, is another first-round pick that's coming off the edge. So Corcoran or Ben Hart's going to have to be really good. But I think you'll see a lot of double teams, even some triple teams with him. They don't give up a lot of big plays. So this is a, a game where I think Nebraska has to commit to running the ball. Elijah, shout-out to you wearing the run the uh, damn ball T-shirt. Is Nebraska commits to it, and it's okay if you get three because then you might get four and then you might get five. Um, and then also take what Purdue defensively is going to give to you in the passing game. They're not going to give up big chunk plays. So if they're going to give you a bunch of underneath stuff, it's okay to take it. I think you'll see today Nebraska in the pass game, instead of trying to stretch the field, I think tight end drags. I think maybe some screens. I think some wheel routes. I think those kind of, uh, those kind of elements of the passing game I think will be successful. And then once in a while, take your crack. But that's a good thing about Purdue um, that has helped them this year is they don't give up those big chunk plays. And they're pretty smart defensively. But I, I, I wonder physically where they're at because they got really worn down a week ago. Well, and they kicked this whole death march off against Minnesota, then had their bye, and then it got stacked against Iowa, which they didn't have a problem with, but Wisconsin manhandled them and pretty much mauled them. Like your take on the tight ends, uh, you know how great uh, Austin Allen's playing. You could see uh, some flat routes for Vokalek. He's uh, a really talented kid as well. Give me the check down. Give me Omar on a drag route. I want to see more bets, and I want to go here. More bets up the seam. In your opinion covering the metro and knowing the metro like you do what if anything is going on with bets the playing time because he's averaging 19 and a half a touch but there's limited touches for him well i think it comes clearly down and there's a lot of guys on offense that are this way is they don't trust him 
because they don't see it Monday through Thursday. Now, if that's the case, you still got one of your best players. You trust him enough to get he, it to him on a reverse. He needs to be on the field. And if, if you only trust him in the seven or eight plays that he knows, why not run those seven to eight plays? Because we can see when he has the ball in his hand that he is a difference maker. There's not, there aren't a lot of guys on this roster that look like and play like Xavier Betts. So, I don't know, that's a personal thing that I think you have to overcome at some point. And, and maybe when you become successful, you can do that. But right now they're saying, hey, if I don't see it Monday through Thursday and you're not out there practicing, I can't trust you. I don't necessarily be- I don't necessarily buy into that, but I think there's a couple of guys on offense that we wonder where they're at. That's why they're not on the field. But you look at guys, the last four games, there's some guys that are trying out for next year. Xavier Betts, Savion Morrison. I mean, there's guys that have to put some stuff out there on tape for, for 22 to get an opportunity here in the last four games, or we're going to go, do we know anything about him when we get to spring ball next uh, spring? Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. We are here at the Single Barrel as uh, we're winding down our pregame coverage and Single Barrel. Uh, and great. we are drinking like fish here. Man, people are loving it. I mean, you got the Red Beers, you got the Bloodies, you got the 250 whiskeys to choose from. People dressed in costumes. Not, not well. I mean, Some dressed normally, and we think it's a costume. Th- that's that's a very very nice way to put yeah. it. Are uh, you doing a Halloween party tonight? Uh, not tonight, but uh, tomorrow I'll be handing out condiments. Okay. <laughs> Throw off the kids. I think they're getting candy. Instead, I, I, I present them with a bowl of, uh, you know, like Taco Bell sauce, uh, mm, Chick-fil-A. Really? Yeah. You're going to go with the, the ghost yeah. pepper sauce? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I got to put them to use. I'm just going to throw them away, so why not give them away at Halloween? Well, uh, so you're, are you anti-candy corn like the pirate? Um, I need peanuts. Yeah, in, in you, you throw corn. peanuts into candy corn. I think candy corn, it really has a tough time defending itself. And so I think it gets a knock. But it, it's better than circus peanuts or those wax bottles. Oh, man. Circus peanuts would survive a nuclear blast. They do. There's a cockroach. There's the circus peanut. And there's probably the inability to throw a screen pass. Yeah, I need touch on that. <laughs> Gary Sharps with his Sharpie uh, a couple of minutes before we say goodbye, bud. And um, I, I'm looking at, at Nebraska and we've t- touched on Adrian. We've touched on the line play as uh, we get into uh, the, the defensive side. I think red zone will be telling today. Sevens or threes, and it's always that way in football. But, you need, but Purdue's need, not been great in their own red zone. need points, ma'am. You need points. And what about pass rush here? Because, you know, Nebraska's been inconsistent there, and they didn't get, get much, if anything, when it came to harassing Captain Morgan in Minneapolis. Well, I think... You know, and, and I know guys on the on the defensive side, when you bring up their sack numbers, they're like, well, we're still, no, you're not getting the quarterback on the ground when you have an opportunity. And today, I think they might have 50 opportunities sure. to, to, to go after the trio of quarterbacks that Purdue is going to employ. You know, Nebraska hasn't had that elite pass rusher since Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough to find. It's sometimes tough to develop. Now, Garrett Nelson has made strides. Caleb Tanner actually quietly has had a, a much solid really good year, year uh, compared to the last couple of years. So Nebraska has guys. They just, when they get there, they need to get home. But here's the other part of getting to the quarterback. I think Eric Chenander has been very good this year in when he decides to bring pressure. I think he's had a good gut call this year on when he goes four-plus pressure. Um so I think today he's going to have his opportunities. But when Nebraska does have their opportunities to bring O'Connell or Plummer down, they need to bring him down or at least cause havoc where a throw is off the marker or, or something because they can't let him sit back there and just dink and dunk 
because that's what Purdue would like to do. And they're going to throw 50-50 balls for David Bell. And he wins those. And once he wins them, he is off and running. Cam Taylor-Britt, the next couple of weeks, this is his time to go chase the bag. He'll have David Bell to go against and then Wilson and Alave next for Ohio State. And it's good that Cam Taylor-Britt has played well the last couple of weeks. But you know, at some point in that defense they're going to try and find miles farmer and test him and see where he is on the side of the field so nebraska defensively they need to create havoc get the quarterback down when they get there and then i also think they need to tackle very well in space quick update here uh third quarter sparty trailing with the football 23 14 uh to michigan i was on the board down 13 at wisconsin here uh under four to go in the third quarter wisconsin 20 to 7 the lead here uh, since he up on Tulane, you got the cocktail party going on later down in Jayville. You know that game well. Florida, yeah, I've been there one time. It is a gong show. <laughs> there are some people that make bad decisions post-cocktail party. Sharpie, a prediction here. Uh, I like Nebraska, 28-17. I think Nebraska comes out and they start uh, quick. I think they play with the lead for, the, for nearly the entire game. Um, and I think they play well today. I, I you know, they know the meaning of this game, uh, that they've got to post a victory. But I think it's also how they look. Um, they can't come out flat, and I don't think they will. I, I like them 28-17. I've kind of thought that since the middle of the uh, week. But the longer you let Purdue hang in the game, you know what it becomes in that stadium, attention convention. And you start thinking, oh, boy, here we go again. I don't think that's the case today. I think Nebraska leads the majority of the game, and they lead where it's comfortable, where even if you're up 10-3, it feels like you're up 14-3. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse Sharpie. Thanks for coming by, buddy. Thanks, Schmitty. Good to per- see you, Elijah. Appreciate uh, you stepping, uh, stopping by here for the uh, weekend edition. Real Red Reaction, uh, J.P., Meg, and Elijah with his Run the Damn Ball t-shirt. Uh, Elijah's going to be giving hot takes on the uh, post-game show? He will be. It's, it's what I do right. best. It's All what right. I do best. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to work on... <laughs> on growing that stash back uh, with a win today. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, later tonight. Real Red Reaction, Hale Varsity back at you Monday at 4. Thanks for tuning in, uh, and uh, enjoy your college football Saturday uh, with ESPN Lincoln.